Also, I apologize ahead of time if there's any crazy dogs running around <laughs> in the background because the puppy is like, goes nuts in the morning, so. <laughs> How is the puppy doing? I have to ask. He's good. He just, uh, he loves to torment Ellie, so, <laughs> uh, and, and jump on top of her and stuff, so. That's so fun. <laughs> I'm sure that's so great for you. Yeah. Trying to get your work done in the morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike's already fired in a question here. Um, yeah. Again, uh, we're going to kind of go through some nutrition stuff today with our special coaching guest, Kylie, uh, who's a registered dietitian and works with athletes full time on all of this stuff. Um, she's a real expert. And we're lucky to have her on the team. Um, Cool. Yeah. Sorry. I'm a little discombobulated this morning. Um, let's just start with like a really basic question, Kylie. Um, this is something that an athlete asked me like a week ago. And, and so I was just kind of saving my answer for this um, because I think I'd rather have uh, you answer this. Um, but you know, the question was, I'm thinking about starting uh to get my head around eating while running. And um, I don't know what to do. Where do I start when it comes to thinking about um, eating during my runs, races, exercise, et cetera? All right, so yeah, that's a definitely a common one. I, I can do an entire hour long session with people on, on how to figure out their interrun fueling, but usually I kind of start out with people by saying that there's three things that you really kind of want to get dialed in when you're trying to figure out a fueling plan. Number one is going to be the fluids per hour. Two is going to be electrolytes per hour. And then three is going to be calories per hour. Um, and that can be, um, a mix of carbohydrates and then, um, if you're doing a longer event, you, you'll probably want to add in a little bit of protein later on. Um, and so from there, usually what I say is to, for the fluid piece, um, you can either get calories from your fluids or not. And so there's hydration mixes and then there's electrolyte mixes. Um, and so the electrolyte mixes that I guess don't have any calories or carbohydrates in them like noon hydration or um, base salts. Um, and I have some people that I work with that they just don't, they can't handle the concentrated like liquid sugar. They don't like that. So they insist on doing just water with that electrolyte in there, which is fine. I always just say, you have to keep in mind that you're going to have to take in more food then, or food or gels or whatever. Um, if you're just going to go with electrolytes in your hydration mix. Um, so once you kind of figure out which direction you want to go with that, I kind of suggest if you've never used a hydration mix or electrolyte mix before to pick a couple of them. And, um, unfortunately some products don't make smaller portions of their product, but with the ones that do, I would suggest purchasing like little individual packs and giving those a try. Um, and figuring out, um, we kind of have some guidelines on fluid intake, 
um, calorie intake, carb intake, sodium intake per hour. Um, and I can either post that or send that out um, so that people know, but you really wanna try to aim for um, a minimum of, I say 12 to 16 ounces to start out per hour of fluids. Um, but really we would like to probably see it a little bit higher than that. It's just hard for people sometimes that haven't used fluids before. Um, so that's the goal per hour. And then you really want to try to um, figure out a pattern for yourself. So it's one thing to say, oh yeah, that's the goal, but how are you actually going to get that in? And that act that does take some practice for some people because taking in fluids during running doesn't necessarily come naturally. So I usually recommend um, either using a guide like you know, sometimes the watch, watch beeper gets really annoying, but if you can use that on a long run um, to remind yourself to take in fluids or nutrition, um, sometimes that can be helpful. Um, I actually work with, I've worked with a couple of people that have like preset timers on their watch, um, which is pretty cool. So they can like take in specific types of nutrition. They'll have that reminder on their watch. So um, I think figuring out that patterning is going to be really key because if you just go by, you can't necessarily just go by thirst, especially when you're doing a long run, um, it, it, your thirst response kind of can get blunted a little bit. So, so really starting out strong with that hydration, I would say is, is important. Um, along that note, if you are using like an electrolyte mix or hydration mix, uh, you really want to pay attention to that sodium content of that mix. Um, other electrolytes are important too, but the sodium is the main focus simply because sodium actually helps get these sugars that you're taking in through the small intestine, through the channel, the glucose channel um, in the small intestine. So um, if your sodium stores start getting low, then that can actually back up the sugars in the small intestine and cause some gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, so, so that electrolyte piece is very key and the, and it is going to vary depending on the person, you know, you can, in general, you can like look at yourself if you have white salt crystals after you're done uh, with a training session or you live in a hot climate and you notice like your super salty sweater, maybe you aim for the higher end of the goal that I'm gonna give you. Um, or there is, you can get a sweat test done, but I don't necessarily think that's necessary for most people um, unless you continue to have issues. Um, so the goal is between 250 and 500 milligrams per hour of sodium. Um, and a lot of the hydration mixes are formulated to be in that range. So if you're focused on that fluid intake and you have a formula that you know one scoop in a um what 12 ounces or 16 ounces is you know 300 350 milligrams then you'll be pretty good you don't have to like necessarily um pay attention to anything else now if you're not using a hydration mix with electrolyte <clears throat> sometimes people use like the salt tabs um the only caution that, that i give with those is don't take too many of them because I've worked with people that will take like eight an hour. Um, and that is not something that you want to be doing because too much electrolyte can mess you up too. And then with the pills, 
um, you know, sometimes that can be hard on people's stomach. So the capsule itself has to still be like broken down a bit. Um, so think about that if you're considering using the, the salt pills. Um, definitely, I have a number of triathletes and ultra runners that use them, but I, I'd say like, just be a little more cautious if you are using the, the tabs or the capsules for your, for your electrolytes. And then the last piece um, that you want to dial in then is going to be your calories per hour. Um, and, and that can come from, mostly should come from carbohydrate, um, but you also want to have some uh, protein later on, depending on how long of a, an event you're doing. Um, so usually what I say on that is the standard you guys may have heard is 200 to 300 calories per hour is the goal. Um, some females can actually get away with a little bit less, like about 180 cows per hour, but I do try to, um, encourage people to, to aim for that 200 as kind of that goal. Um, and if a, a smaller female is struggling, then maybe we can go a little bit lower. Um, so first thing is if you're, if you're using hydration mix that has calories, and carbohydrates in it, then you're going to subtract that out per hour from the 200. And then from there, you're going to decide, okay, where am I getting my remaining calories from? So you have options of either gels, real food blends, or real food. Um, so usually I recommend if you're going to be racing an ultra to get yourself used to all of those things. So trying to figure out one gel option that will work for you, um, a food blend that will work for you, and then um, a couple of real food options that will work for you. And the reason being is um, if your stomach goes south or you have something come up and you can't eat food or you don't want the real food blend or you know whatever the situation might be, then you're adaptable. Um, so, um, and I think before we had also talked about um, utilizing like a gel that might give you a quick burst of energy versus a spring energy, which might be a more sustained energy. So there's different reasons why we would want to use maybe different nutrition products. Um, so pick out for yourself. Um, and it's hard to say, I, I, you know, I have recommendations for, for certain people that might have GI sensitivities and things like that, but I think just picking out a couple of gels, um, trying them out, picking out a couple of real food blends like a spring energy or mirror energy, um, and then picking out a couple of real food options um, can be a really good place to start. Um, and um, when I'm talking real food, I'm talking, um, we don't wanna do things that are super high in fat. We want to do things that are mostly simple carbohydrates, a little bit of protein. So good options might be like a half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or fig newtons or boiled potatoes with salt, mashed potatoes with broth, um, different things like that. Um, and the only issue I would say with real food is that you want to pay attention to that nutrient breakdown. So um, you don't want to be eating like five peanut butter and jelly sandwiches per hour, um, we still want to respect like whatever the nutrition content of that thing is that you're having. 
Um, so you can either maybe do a little bit of that's where like a program like my fitness pal or something might be helpful. Cause you could like look up what the nutrient content of that food is and see what that breakdown is. If you want to get really like into it and make sure you're doing the right thing. Um, then in regards to practicing, it kind of goes uh, similarly to the hydration. You want to have a pattern for yourself for food intake. So say you are um, getting 100 cows per hour from your hydration mix, then that remainder is going to be 100 cows per hour. So, you know, maybe that's um, maybe that is three mini boiled potatoes or something with salt. So you have to figure out, like, how am I going to get that in? Um, per hour and and practicing that in your long runs is going to be really important. Um, so making sure that you are um, practicing that patterning. Um, I recommend if you're doing like the gel and the, you're testing out the gel, the real food blend and the food that you um, that, you know, maybe you take a gel and a food option on one run. Next time, maybe you take a real food blend and a food option, another food option on another run. Um, I do recommend practicing. Like, I I get a lot of questions from people. They want to do fueling sessions about two to three weeks before their race, which I don't recommend, um, especially if you're trying to figure out what works for you and get a good pattern. So you know, the people that are most successful with dialing in their fueling plan that I work with literally will meet with me like four months before the race because they'll be able to like take time practice these things you don't want to just like practice with a product one time and say oh that didn't work um you want to give it usually like i say three to four runs per product um so that's kind of a overview i tried to keep it a little organized when i was talking about it um hopefully that kind of answers the question yeah, that was great, Kylie. Thanks. I think that really broke things down in um, in a, a really nice way for the athletes. What, um, in terms of practicing, what are some of our you know like best times to practice with the you know two hundred to three hundred calorie per hour protocol and our fluid and sodium uh, intake? What are like what are the what are our like opportunities for practice looking like? Is that um, like long runs or workouts or both? Oh yeah, so um, I think it kind of one sec. Let me just I'm moving into another room because the dogs are being loud. <laughs> um, so I think it um, you could actually do both, um, and I think we had talked about this before in another call that doing something like a gel option during a workout might be a good idea because it's going to be that um, higher glycemic sugar, which is going to give you like a quick burst of energy. So you might be able to like get your gut used to that gel um, during a higher intensity effort. Um, whereas in a long run, maybe you want to practice with like the spring energy or something that has a longer longer lasting energy um, and your food options. I wouldn't recommend uh, practicing, I guess, with the food options during a higher intensity effort. They're gonna take more digestion, um, just gonna not be utilized in the way you want them to be utilized, I guess. So um, you can, and you can practice with hydration mix during a higher intensity or a long run um, as well. 
Awesome. So do you think like the key really for getting used to implementing um, a nutrition plan into your, you know, into your race strategy, um, do you think that really just kind of hinges on the amount of time that you have to practice these things starting out three or four months before the main event, giving yourself three to four runs to test, you know, each different product or food type that you want to use and then allowing that to evolve over a number of months, um, not just to get used to those products and see what you respond, how you respond to each one, but also to help your gut uh, train, to help train your gut and to digest while you're actually doing, um, you know, doing your your race, your workout, your discipline. Um, because that digestion process isn't maybe going to be the thing that your body is prioritizing while you're exerting yourself, right? So it takes some practice to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that certain people might be able to get away with doing um, haphazardly, like putting together a fueling plan for themselves. But I always say like, you know, you might have gotten away with it once, but uh, it's, it's I, you're not going to have that confidence, I guess, if you aren't practicing your fueling. I feel like well, you spend a lot of time training to have that confidence going into the race, knowing that you are ready to go on that race day. And if you don't have your nutrition dialed in and you don't have that confidence, um, your, your whole race could be ruined by nutrition. So unfortunately, that happens to a lot of people. Um, and then they learn the hard way. So trying to prevent that in everyone else <laughs> that's on this call or in microcosm would, would be awesome. Um, and, and you're right in stating that, um, so when we're exercising, the blood is diverted away from the digestive system. So digestion isn't necessarily like the priority at that time. Um, so that's why we want to keep things a little bit more simple as well, like nutrition product wise, because if something takes a lot more digestion, um, it's, it's going to be more likely to cause those stomach issues. Um, so keeping things simple, like I was saying, like potatoes with salt and not doing like a fried, um, fried burrito chicken thing or something, you know, like some crazy thing. Um, again, you might be able to get away with that in like a long ultra. Um, but at the same time, I think you're taking a lot of risk uh, at doing that. So it's kind of, I, I usually say, leave it up to you guys. Um, when I when I chat with people and they, they suggest like quesadillas and burritos, but that wouldn't be my top choice, you know, if you're looking at uh, avoiding stomach issues and and performing to your best ability as well. Yeah, tell just give me two minutes on, you know, like breaking down fats while we're out performing. Say we're running a, a ultra of. I would hope people aren't trying to eat a lot of fats during a fifty k. Um, but let's think about for our you know, fifty mile plus athletes who are going to be spending maybe 12 to 24 hours or more out uh, on a long run or yeah. in their race or an adventure. Um, and I think this ties in a little bit to Mike's question too about, you know, 
should our eating change over the course of like a long day out? Um, I'm really curious about people who tend to say like, yeah, I want the burrito or the quesadilla. Um, Cause to me, those foods are too complex to digest during heavy exercise with a lot of environmental stress. The body is gonna really struggle to break down those foods. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that specifically, like breaking down fats that you're taking in, not fat stores that your body already has during a long event. And then, um, you know, maybe how do things change over the course of 24 hours or 12 hours out? Do we want to change our eating habits? Yeah. And so, um, you're, when you're running at a, typically for a longer race, you're probably going to start out at a little bit quicker pace. Um, hopefully not going out too hard, but, uh, but then your pace may slow or probably will slow later on. Um, and, and typically our body is burning, um, is typically utilizing, a, per, using, using carbohydrates at higher intensity exercise versus um, is able to break down fats maybe a little bit better at lower intensity exercise. Um, but at the same time, um, when exercising again, um, fats and protein are a lot harder for the body to digest in general. It doesn't matter if you're like running or not. Uh, it just takes longer for them to break down um, and, and can be a lot more difficult um, to break down just in everyday daily life. It just takes a longer period of time. So yes, you can add in and have a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein later on. And I do recommend that. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing like, you know, 20 grams of fat every time you're eating something. Um, because even in everyday life, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the best fueling strategy for yourself. Um, so normally what I recommend is starting out with more of a, for the first couple hours, doing more carbohydrate rich things. Um, so what some athletes will do is they'll just start with like hydration mix, um, and then wait like an hour before, cause they've had like a pre race meal or pre run meal or something, wait an hour, then they'll start adding in the actual food sources. Um, and usually starting with, um, maybe the more simple carbohydrates. So you could do like the food blends, the gels, or like a, you know, potatoes or something. And then as the race progresses past that three hour mark is when I start saying like, yeah, maybe you want to add in more like savory options, a little bit of protein. So like if you're doing PB and J, then might be a good time to add in the PB and J that has a little bit of fat as well, because it's going to have that peanut butter in the sandwich. Um, and I think that it is important. Again, it goes back to the when you're building your fueling plan, I think it's important to kind of have that um, mix of things to be able to handle because at a certain point, like your body can experience something called sweet fatigue. And so if you continue to just eat um, sweet things or hydrate with a really sweet mix, it can really reject it or you can become nauseous. And so having another option that's more like savory for yourself can be a good option like later on. 
um, in the event. Um, so I don't know if that directly, does that kind of answer what you were saying? Asking? Yeah, no, I think that sounded like, you know, we want to start off these events by fueling primarily with carbohydrates as the event unfolds. Um, and I think we're really speaking about longer ultras, I would say 100K and 100 mile, um, maybe for some athletes who are going to spend a long time out at a 50 miler, this could be helpful. Um, but we kind of want to start to add in a little bit of protein and a small amount of fats um, as things have unfolded. And I'm kind of thinking like, you know, that six hour mark or later, um, you know, I think that that's up to experience. And that's when the athlete, you know, has to have done other races and have had experience to know what works and doesn't for them. If you go into this stuff blind without having tried it, you know, you're basically taking a stab in the dark. It's a guess. Um, and you don't know how your body's going to react. Um, there's a couple good uh, follow-up kind of related questions. And I have kind of what I would answer to these, but I'm curious, Kylie, for people who, you know, eight to 10 hours plus into an event, their huh. stomach starts to go south and they're having trouble eating and getting food down. Um, you know, what's, why is that? And how do we mimic that in training? Your yeah, it, well, I think it, it can potentially be very difficult to mimic in training, but, um, but usually um, that is a result of not keeping up with the amount of the things that I was talking about at the beginning. So fluids per hour, electrolytes per hour and calories uh, per hour. And if you get yourself in a hole in one of those things, that is typically what is gonna cause stomach issues. And once you get to that point, it is very hard to, I mean, this might not be the answer that people wanna hear, but it is very hard to get yourself out of that unless you slow down. And when you slow down, then the blood is returning to the GI system a bit more. And then you're able to kind of maybe come back from what you're experiencing. Um, there's not necessarily like a magical food product or something that's going to help, unfortunately. Um, sometimes people swear by like ginger caps or things like that, but oftentimes uh, you're, you're too far into a hole that you need to honestly just slow down or stop in order for it to kind of return. Yeah, I think, kind of <laughs> I think that's such a good answer, Kylie. And I, you know, for... Uh, for athletes out there who are like really wondering, you know, what's going on there. Um, obviously, I think there is, it's really important, right? We can't, uh, our focus needs to be on that fueling strategy, setting the alarm on our watch, making sure that we're keeping in mind, you know, the heat and other, other environmental factors out there. So that way, if we are sweating more, we respond with a little bit more sodium and or uh, fluids and staying on track with our eating. Um, I think the other piece to that, and, and you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think it's the exertion as well at those stages of a race um, where the body, and, and you, you mentioned this, you know, it's not prioritizing digestion. Blood flow is going to the muscles, to the heart. We're trying to, you know, facilitate the exercise that we're doing, which is 
kind of an exceptional amount of work. You're out for eight or 10 hours. The body is tired. It's dealing with environmental factors. It's trying to keep your body cool. So blood is going to this, you know, also to your skin and things like that. Um, so digestion is really tough. Um, I think at least for myself, one way that I tr try to train this area is by eating frequently during my workouts, during like small breaks in high intensity. So for example, if one of my workouts has 12 by one minute strides and then a tempo after I'll fuel before the strides and then after, you know, and after the strides. So that way I'm trying to digest while doing the tempo. Um, that may work or may not. Maybe it just helps to build my confidence in the digestive process. Um, but at the end of the day, the fitter we get, the easier some of this stuff becomes too, right? And the more that we practice these things, the less we succumb to the environmental factors out there that restrict blood flow to the digestive system. Um, yeah, Kylie, I, 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 I see you nodding your head, so I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with what, I agree with what you're saying. I think it does. Um, I think it's a hard concept sometimes for people to either want to accept or grasp. So, um, I think it really, uh, you're going to set yourself up for the best chance of success. If you're practicing this during your training, uh, yeah. that's what it comes down to. And then, like I had mentioned earlier, having different um, options for yourself can also save you potentially. So, you know, maybe you can't eat anything, but you can sip on something like hydration mix. So people that choose electrolytes only, that can potentially be in my mind, a little bit of a disadvantage if you are not able to take in calories via food. Um, so, I usually say, you know, that's like a little bit of a safety net. You can trickle in a little bit of calories, at least if you are, if you have a hydration mix that has calories in it and your stomach goes south, um, you know, you might not be able to get anything in, but liquid calories are going to be the easiest for your body to, to accept typically. Awesome. I think that's a really good tip. Um, Let's see here. We do have a couple follow-ups. Um, <laughs> a lot of follow-ups. Yeah, this could take. Is, we could take an entire entire multiple calls to answer all of these. <laughs> uh, all right. Real quick, um, Jason had a follow-up about eating the same food consistently for several weeks before your race. Um, have you heard of this working with athletes you've worked with? I've heard of other athletes doing this. Um, I personally don't think it's successful because it's not a long enough window. Um, giving yourself only a few weeks to train your gut to say accepting like goo energy gel, you know, goo gels as opposed to spring. Um, and I think maybe Kylie would agree. You need to probably give yourself more time. Yeah. And I think it's the right concept, but I think it would take more than like two weeks or something, you know, to have that adaptation adaptation occur. But yeah, that's the that is the concept that we're kind of chatting about in the call. And I think the important thing too, I didn't mention this at the end of like how to build your fueling plan, but 
once you figure out the things that are your are working for you then you want to take this is why it's like a process because once you figure that out then you want to actually practice with those products that you really liked and really felt worked well for you for i say at least a month if not more so then you have like the actual the products that you've chosen and you're repeatedly using those so maybe that kind of goes along with what Jason was asking, because I didn't really say that before, that once you choose those products, then yes, you want to use those exact products for for at least a month, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And in every single one of your long runs, you know, when you're building up to 100K or 50K, um, you know, and I think we're in marathon, depending on, you know, marathon for people too, you want to practice those exact fueling methods in every single one of those runs. Um, you know, that is part of going out and doing an intentional long run is bringing your calories with you and getting two to 300 calories in per hour. This is a thing that I've seen a lot of like experienced athletes really fail to, uh, to do. And that's because there's sometimes a confidence when you get fitter, you don't need to necessarily, you don't feel you need to fuel as much to go and do 15 or 20 miles, but when it comes to race day and you want to fuel that effort, you've done yourself a disservice because when you end up going at a higher intensity and to perform in the race, having not fueled before, your body doesn't really know what to do. Um, and so you can have some digestion issues. Um, Oh, okay. Well, he's talking about eating those. I don't have a lot more time to spend on this topic, Jason. Um, but he he's asking if we should eat those products just day to day in our regular routine to help get used to them. I have not heard of that. Um, I Maybe I need to listen to Sean Bearden's podcast, but um, I haven't heard of people doing that. So that's kind of a new idea for me and maybe I need to explore it a little bit more but um, potentially it could make sense though at the same time you're not actually exercising when using those products then so I'd say that's a little bit of a difference and then still I don't know if um, that gut adaptation would occur that quickly um, and and honestly this is is probably an area that is still there's a lot of research being done in this area i'm sure um nutrition is ever evolving so i think that um it's probably a concept that might be being explored a little bit more yeah awesome okay so something that everybody is talking about i wake up in the morning and i don't feel hungry but i'm a morning runner should i eat or not what should i do <laughs> Um, I think that this one is difficult to answer sometimes, but, um, I do feel like it really, a couple of things depends on how long you're running for sure. Um, it depends on, um, your injury risk too. I, I feel like I usually put it out there that if you eat something beforehand, typically your injury risk is going to be lower simply because when you run in the morning and you've done a fast, 
your cortisol levels are high. And then when you exercise that raises cortisol, but if you actually, um, eat something that can potentially not raise cortisol as much. <laughs> so cortisol is catabolic, which breaks down muscle mass. And so, um, what I usually say is then if you're breaking down muscle mass, then your injury risk is increased. Now, if you're doing a 30 minute run though, and you know, you're not hungry in the morning, I don't think that effect is going to be that great. Um, you're not, your injury risk isn't going to go up that much, but if you're doing anything over an hour, I typically say like, yes, you need to try and get something in that is going to increase that injury risk. And so, um, what I usually suggest doing is, is it's similar to the fueling thing. Like you need to practice it. You need to like start out small. Um, so if you've never been able to eat, you, you say you've never been able to eat something, maybe you haven't tried everything that you need to be maybe trying. So liquid calories work probably the best for people with stomach issues or people in a rush and they're, they're digested the easiest for the body. So you could practice with your hydration mix and have a little bit of that, or you could have a small smoothie um, that's six to eight ounces. I'm, I'm talking, you know, two to four to 500 calories here. It's not like you're eating a huge meal beforehand. Um, now, if you're doing some, a super long adventure, that's a different story. I usually am pretty adamant that you need to be doing close to 500 to 700 calories before something that's, you know, a four five, six hour run long ultra races. You should be doing something like more significant. Um, but these shorter runs, again, you can start with the liquid calories if you're super sensitive, or it can be something as simple as you start out with half a banana and then you get your body used to half a banana and then you do try to work your way to a whole banana. <laughs> um, ideally, um, you know, if you're doing something shorter, yeah, you can get away with like 200 calories, like an hour run. Yeah. 200 calories is okay. You can do a granola bar or something like that. Um, oh, you know, much longer than that longer runs, 90 minutes, two hours, all of that. I usually say again, try to be a little bit higher than 200 calories. But if you're not used to eating, then it's going to take some practice. And then timing wise, that's where the oftentimes issues come in because people are running super early in the morning and they're like, well, I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. to go eat something. So I think in that case, again, keeping in mind that your body can digest liquid calories pretty quickly. So um, doing something 30 to 60 minutes before that, that is a liquid or a, um, like the spring energy or something, you can do those. They're like real food blends. So they're, they're quick, convenient. They're going to give you something to go off of, um, and be easily digested. Um, I think when you get into the longer runs, again, we want to be practicing what we're going to be doing on race day. So if we're aiming to do, you know, five to 700 calories, then it needs to be a priority to get that in two to three hours before you start uh, that run. So at that point, I usually say like, you know, it's up to you, but I think that you need to be making it a priority to get up earlier than on a long run day to be able to get in the correct fuel. Um, 
Because again, whatever you're doing on race day, if you're not practicing that, then your gut is not going to necessarily be used to that. Um, and so I think that it's really important to be dialing that specific day in um, to be ready for race day. Um, awesome. This is a, such a long, it can be a very complex conversation. I've had entire um, nutrition hour long sessions with people on like gut issues and like how pre run fueling affects their gut issues and all that. So it is, it can be pretty complex. Um, but you do need to figure out, I think what works for you. And then again, under an hour, I don't stress quite as much on that, but if you are injury prone, then it might be a consideration to yes, like maybe just try and get in a little bit something of something before you go and run, even if it is a shorter run. Great. Yeah. I think we kind of touched on two of the questions, um, on that one. And it's important for people to know, you know, like getting up and eating and having time to digest that as well. Um, that's something that I think I often don't think about, but having that two to three hour window for digestion before an adventure or a long run, very, very important. That way you can get in more calories ahead of time. Um, let's kind of segue into, and, and let's, we'll try to keep it brief because we're, we're going to be pushing up on the end of our time, but are there optimal times to, um, to kind of eat for recovery? Um, this ties in a little bit to Tom's question earlier. Like, should I have protein before bed, carbs? Um, how, how soon after a, after a run should I get that fuel in? That kind of uh, is a complex answer as well, but I will try to keep it brief. Um, I think it kind of depends on what, um, what your goals are, what your um training is like as well so we know that you know the minute that we stop exercising that our muscles are most primed to take up uh that those sugars and protein to repair the body um and then it kind of goes on this curve um down on a sloped curve to about the four hours after you finish your run or your exercise um and on days where I would say, if you are doing a second run, um, so you're doing double runs or you are doing a, um, a double weekend, like, so you're doing like a long run and then a medium long run, um, those types of days, I usually tell people, yes, like you want to prioritize like getting that um, fuel in afterwards as close to the end of your run as possible because it's going to help maximize that recovery. If you are doing a 30 to 40 minute easy run for the day, then you have a little bit more time. You're not going to, you're not really tapping out your glycogen stores that much. Um, you, um, have, I still would recommend like getting something in within the couple hours after, but you have a little bit more time. You don't have to stress quite as much. Um, and then I guess on a higher intensity day too, you're tapping your glycogen stores more. So yes, like on that day too, you'd want to like try and get something in as quick as possible. The other time that it might um, play a bigger role too would 
the um, if you're trying to build more muscle mass or change body composition, then yes, like that, you would want to get it in as close to the end of your run as possible, no matter what day that is. Um, so that is, a, you know, I'm not necessarily focusing on that with this group, but, um, but with some people that are working on that, that is something that that should be mentioned, I guess. Um, so I think, again, it really depends um, on what your goals are, what your training's like, um, all those sorts of things. Um, and you really want to, if you are getting something in, you want to aim for the, t the standard rec is 45 to 60 grams of carbs um, and 15 to 20 grams of protein. So the, one of the bigger mistakes I see that athletes are making is they will have their protein powder in the car. They'll make a protein shake with water and then they're missing out on the carbohydrates. And so you need to have both of those to replenish the glycogen stores and repair the muscle. And they, they actually kind of enhance and work together to do that. So without one of those things, then you're not going to actually recover as well as you would with, you know, a protein and carb um, post-workout, like smoothie or snack or whatever that is. Um, I, um, does that answer? I, oh, the other thing I was going to mention is if you have that snack, you still want to have a meal within another three hours after doing that snack. So sometimes athletes will say, well, I'll just like have that snack and then I'll skip my next meal or, you know, it, they're like less is more type thing. Um, that's not what you want to do to maximize recovery as well. So you want to make sure you're getting in that snack um, and then you're also getting in an actual meal um, within like another three hours after. I've heard that, um, you know, if your protein synthesis can be higher during nighttime hours, should athletes be maybe taking in 20 grams of protein 30 minutes before bed in order to help optimize that recovery? Oh, yeah. Or is that a myth? I forgot. This is like, so that's why I'm like, I could talk all day on this stuff. Um, so that is kind of a different um, thing, but, but yes, there is some research that does suggest that doing a high protein, um, little bit lower carb snack, 30 to 60 minutes before bedtime can help improve recovery. A um, couple of the studies have shown improvement in recovery by up to 20%. So it can be pretty significant. Um, and I think the main thing that I tell runners that I'm working with is that it can also be a good way to just like get a little bit more in at the end of the day, especially on like workout and long run days or double days. Um, so um, guidelines for that snack, usually I say less than 30 grams of carbs and then 10 to 15 grams of protein. Um, reason being on the carbs, why we wanna necessarily like limit those a little bit is because too high of carbohydrate before bedtime that close to bed can interrupt sleep patterns. Whereas if you kind of keep it at a lower level and you're doing a little bit of protein that can actually enhance sleep. So it does not only help with sleep, um, it can also help with it recovery. Um, and then with athletes that wake up in the morning hungry, that can be a really good strategy for those people as well to kind of implement that as part of their like eating pattern. Um, 
So uh, yes, I would say that that is something that I do recommend to a lot of athletes that I work with. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Kylie. I think we really hit some of the big questions today. Kristen popped in with the last minute, two minutes on this, Kylie, if you can. Um, for athletes with celiac disease or any other severe food allergies, do you have any, any tips? In regards to supplements or? Tips, um, supplements, eating habits. Woo, that's going to be like an entire like two minutes. hour left. Two minutes. I know. I'm like, I'm it. trying to think on the fly here because I wasn't prepared for this one. Um, I would say, so if you think about um, celiac, uh, any kind of. IBS or IBD, a lot of them have an inflammatory component. So focusing on um, balancing out inflammation through diet would be one of the top suggestions that I have. Um, and if you're looking at supplementation, I'm not always the biggest fan of like, I don't recommend 20 different supplements for people, but the um, fish oil or omega-3, if you don't do fish products, you can do an omega-3 like algal oil supplement um, to get in extra EPA and DHA, which will help, which can help balance out inflammation a little bit um, if you're struggling to get in enough omega-3s. So that one would be a top priority. And then making sure that you are getting in a variety of fruits and veggies for that antioxidant content. Um, and then celiac in particular, uh, there's, if we're looking at supplementation, L-glutamine can also be a potential helpful supplement to help with rebuilding and, and maintaining that intestinal integrity. Because um, oftentimes the, the intestine is, is compromised a little bit with celiac or any kind of inflammatory bowel condition. Um, so does that help? Like, I mean, I could talk all probably an entire day on that, but that's great. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to name off a few things. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, we really hit some of the main points that I wanted to get across to the athletes on the team and anybody else listening. Um, wow. I'll attempt to summarize this. So <laughs> we, <laughs> Uh, when it comes to creating your, you know, your fueling plan or your method for uh, races and adventures, you want to think about things in terms of two to 300 calories per hour, generally, maybe a little less for female athletes, Kylie mentioned for specific cases. Uh, and this is all stuff that you should be practicing three to four months out before your big race. Remember, we want to think about creating space for our uh, growth in terms of developing as runners, well as de developing our guts, take that same space too. Uh, so, you know, we use that time to develop the foods that are working for us and kind of take out the things that are not. Um, we have to remember, start with 250 to 500 um, milligrams of sodium, uh, depending on how heavy a sweater you are, what kind of salt sodium content you have in your sweat um and then liquid calories can be a good option for people with some history of gi distress um one topic that i think is is really important that kylie kind of touched on at the end um if you are an injury prone runner or have an inj uh, significant injury history 
let's try not to run fasted. Anything that you eat is going to lower your risk of uh, soft tissue and, and also bone, you know, bone density issues. Um, we really want to make sure that uh, even if you are not hungry, you get a little bit in. Liquid calories can help because they're easily digestible, but perhaps like the whole foods might be where we're, where we're going in the long run with improving that stuff. Um, and I would also, you know, say we had a good section on when we should eat. Um, if you've got another workout coming up, you want to eat, you know, in, on the closer side to having just finished your run. So if you went for a run 60 minutes, you get a little bit of protein, carbohydrates in, and then you're going to be ready for your next workout. If you aren't training again, you might have a longer window up to four hours. Um, which is good. I would say always don't push those things out. Try to eat sooner. Um, it will help with recovery. Uh, we don't want to get into the habit of not prioritizing eating, right? So if we always leave it to four hours after our run, we might, might not be prioritizing things in the way that we should. Um, yeah, and it will help. Uh, eating in the morning helps with lowering our cortisol levels a little bit to avoid extra muscle breakdown. That was a really good point that I hadn't thought about. So thanks for that, Kylie. And whew, that was a lot. I think I just covered it all, but maybe I forgot something. Um, anyways, this is going to be available on YouTube if you guys want to re-listen. We've also got a blog post already on developing your hydration strategy. So I would recommend if you've got any additional questions to read over that. It's pretty comprehensive and includes basically everything that Kylie touched on here because she helped us with that. Um, she also wrote a really good article that was on Trail Runner a couple months back on how much protein you need per day, depending on your training needs. I would recommend that everybody read that too, because something that as athletes, we often um, maybe forget to count those grams when it comes to getting in enough protein. Um, that's something that's hugely important that I'm, I'm working on, Zoe works on all the time. Um, hey, TJ, would you mind dropping that link to Kylie's article, maybe in the Microcosm Facebook page? Yeah, I, I will. I'll put those links in when I post this. And uh, yeah, big thanks, Kylie, for contributing your time today. I appreciate it. You did such a great job. And uh, we'll, we're off on Monday. So we will be back with another Zoom call next Friday. Bye. See you guys. Have a good weekend.